Are you sick and tired of hearing all the glamour stories in real estate? The Worst Ever Real Estate Investing Podcast is here to show you all the deals that our investors walked away from or even potentially lost capital. The glamour here on this show comes from investors sticking in real estate and continuing to invest even though one deal about it. This week, Howard shares his experience on buying a house in Las Vegas with the wrong group of people. Joining the wrong real estate investing group can really affect your experience investing. So listen to find out the tips and that Howard has to share on how to choose your partner's life. Welcome, listeners, to the Worst Ever Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Howard Solomon. Howard is a flipper, broker, father, husband, and friend based in Albany, New York. He has 422 doors worth approximately $40 million or more. Welcome, Howard. Glad to have you today. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on our podcast today. We're really excited to talk to you about your real estate investing journey and uh, getting some ideas of, of the things that you've, uh, you've accomplished. Clearly, you've accomplished a whole lot. Um, how long have you been at it? I've been uh, flipping properties for about 30 years, on and off. I've been in construction, so I've managed my own apartments. I've had apartment buildings. I've had uh, single families. And right now, I'm focusing on uh, single family homes. And okay. In uh, suburban areas that I can just flip really quick until we join the multifamily. And that, that's why we're in the, the discussion today. One of my groups we joined. And uh, you, you really have to know the people that you're joining with. I, I joined with the group and we started a couple LLCs. And there were five, five, five of us as uh, partners. And I think three of us did all the work. The other two just sat back and did nothing. It was, wow. it was, it was miserable. <laughs> okay. We, we flew all around the country. You know, we bought properties in Detroit and Florida and uh, Las Vegas. And uh, it was interesting. Okay. Really, so really you've got properties all around the country uh, with multiple partners, who some who contribute more and some who contribute less. Um, but, uh, you've been at this for 30 years, some contracting experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And so now you're mostly fo- focusing on the multifamily as well as the smaller single family flips. So yeah, yeah. flipping to make, uh, put together deals and, and make some money so that you can turn those into longer term holds with the multifamily. Am I getting that correct? Exactly. Nice. <clears throat> so what made you get into uh, multifamily investing? Was it just the next, next logical step in your progression? You started out as a real estate agent, contractor, and then it just evolved naturally into this? No, no, not at all. I, I think it was joining a group and seeing what, what the people have done. It, it, was, it was definitely the group because, you know, I, I wanted nothing to do with it. Even, even like right now, my two family and three family, I wanted nothing to do with tenants. You know, I just wanted to fix a place, sell it and, and, and go. But um, I've been getting hit pretty, pretty big with taxes. It's like <laughs> every, sure. year, every year I'm writing them a check. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> I don't mind writing a, a check, but <laughs> not more than I'm making. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how sometimes those accounting, uh, you know, for tax purposes, 
you, you say you find out that you, you made a profit this year on your accounting um, and you look in your bank account and you're like, where, where is the, the profit in my accounting? Or um, you, you have a loss in your bank account and uh, Uncle Sam still wants his, his portion of the pie. And you're like, what yeah. pie? There's no pie left over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. So um, 30 years ago, what made you decide to start in real estate? The same thing. They were called infomercials at night. They, you know, Robert Allen and the Russ Whitney's and oh, you can buy, buy my tapes. And, you know, I got into seminars and I, uh, I started an apprenticeship doing of work. I was a first apprentice, but I was getting laid off all the time. So we purchased family just to get out of the renting mode. And I said, wait a minute, this is, this is pretty nice. You know, I got somebody paying half the mortgage and, you know, I'm going to do this again and do it again. So I had about six of them and uh, then they, <laughs> then things started going away. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you, you'd seen some late night infomercials and because of other dynamics in your careers and, and your jobs that you had at the time, you thought maybe I need to look at this real estate thing a little bit deeper and got into it. Now, somebody who's been in real estate for 30 years, you've seen ups and downs. Oh, you've yeah. seen and probably endured some of those ups and downs. Um, before we dive into kind of the meat and potatoes of what this podcast is all about, tell me about some of the, the big market evolutions that you've seen come and go. Well, I think it was right around the big short. You ever see that movie, the big short? Well, yes, what, sir. The, what, what they did was these, these infomercial people they made the market. They, they, they got people to come on to their first mastermind, if you want to call it then, and come to the hotel and buy into their plan. And we're going to go, to, we're going to go into these towns and we're going to buy blocks. We're going to go into Detroit and 15th Street. We're going to buy 30 houses. And 15th Street, we'd go buy 30 houses. What happened? They'd sell it to the next group. Three months later, another group would come in. They'd sell it to them for 25000 more. <laughs> then three months wow. later, they'd send it to the third group. And they'd sell it for, well, on the last group going into Vegas, we we're the last group. <laughs> <laughs> We wow. wanted a home. We paid, uh, it was probably a $400,000 home. We paid $750,000 for it. And, uh, and what year was that? I want to say it was 04. Wow. 2004. Scotty, they were, they were building, it was all HOAs. And it, it looked like a prison because they would, they would put block walls around 100 single family houses. So when, when you pulled into this, when you pulled into this gated community, it was beautiful. There were a hundred houses. Well, guess what? 95 were investors. There were like five people that purchased in there that actually lived there. So these five people, one of the, one of the persons was an older person. And uh, it was, it was pretty funny because he would go around and I mean, they would have a plant that was about three inches tall. And if the plant was wilted, they would take a picture of it, send it to the HOAs. You would you would get a fine for like two hundred dollars because your sprinkler system wasn't on and you were killing the plants. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Investors all over the country. Well, one day he was walking around and he looked over, there was water coming out of a garage door. So he, he called up uh, the HOAs, they came over, there was an investor somewhere. Well, they, they uh, opened up the door. Somebody had broken in in the back of the house. They stole the refrigerator. And when they stole the refrigerator, it was the ice and water. And when they pulled it out, the water just kept running. Just the water was running in there for like two weeks. Oh, and my gosh. We just figured it was the contractors because once they built the one community, they would go over to the next community and start putting up. And I mean, it was professionally done. I mean, these appliances were taken out. There were no scratches. The only mark was at the back door where the, the sliding glass door was, just a little mark so they could open the sliding glass doors. Wow. So you got a $750,000 house. It's got no appliances. I mean, it, they took out the vanities in the bathrooms. We get we get a call from one of the realtors, and the realtor's like, uh, can you fly into town? You got to get an appliance pack. We're like, what the, you know you're supposed to be maintaining this for us it's a brand new house it's on the market you know well somebody broke in and they had rolling garage door openers what they would do is they would sit in front of the garage and they would press a button and these things would just roll until it hit the combination and once wow. it hit the combination it would open up that's from some of them on some of them they were actually jimmy the back doors were Give me ours give me a little bit so we had to fix wow and you you thought oh this looks like a great deal i'm gonna buy this house and <laughs> well 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 it was the group it was the group you know you pick it up for this and you know three months from now we're gonna send somebody else in and you know they're gonna buy it for this is a million dollar house and it's like uh, no it's like a four hundred fifty thousand dollar house wow so you've seen it all um so uh, was that your worst ever real estate investing experience um, or what? Please tell us about your worst ever real estate investing experience. The worst well, I, I ever. Think, well, I, I think that was it as we had, you know, I, I never lost on a deal. And we actually, we, we purchased, there were three of us. We got three different LLCs. So on the, the one house in Vegas, even. On another house, we made you know a little money, but on the third house, that that girl, she was making she was making a lot of money. It was in her name. I'm flying to Vegas. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm calling up mortgage people, and they're like, "I'm sorry, but you're not uh, Mary Jane. You know, we can't even talk to you. You're, you know, Mary Jane's on the mortgage. We got to talk to and, and Mary Jane's like in Indonesia. You, you know, she can't be reached. <laughs> she can't be reached. <laughs> like." But uh, wow. I, I think that was one of the worst experiences because, you know, we, you know, you, you never want to come to the table when you're going to when you're going to closing. <laughs> yeah. So this is a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar value house. The market value for that house, you're estimating at four hundred and fifty thousand. You bought it for seven hundred. Yeah. Seven fifty. Seven fifty. Yeah. So you overspent by three hundred thousand dollars. Did you? And and have you sold that house? Have you actually realized that loss? Well, well, it was in one house was in my name, one house was in a female's name, and that house was in another female's name. But between my house and the one female's name, we broke even on that one. But on the third one, she ended up just giving it back. You know, so wow. ruined, ruined the credit for you know so many years. But we each, we each put one in our own personal names, and there was a group of five of us, and the other two. 
you know, they wanted part of it. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they never ended up doing anything. Uh, yeah. We just kind of, we kind of signed them off. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a little bit. How have you learned to be selective with your partners? Um, I mean, clearly from this experience, you had some, some folks who were willing to put in, you know, some skin in the game and get involved and do what they needed to do. You had some partners who were not so keen on that. Um, what were the major lessons you learned about selecting partners? Oof. I, I would say probably vent them out a little bit more. I mean, you know, well, it's just like 7FF. We just met at a weekend conference. And what they did was they actually just said, okay, break out, go back to your rooms. We'll see you in three hours. You know, we want you to pick a market. Like we, we would go into, and they would have a complete map of the whole city. And they'd say, okay, just pick a market. And, you know, you're going to start to call a broker. You're going to, you know, get yourself a realtor, find yourself a property manager. You know, because if you if you do, you know, find something you want to flip it or you want to hold it, you know, you need all of these people. So, you know, there was a group of five of us and, you know, that's how we met each other. And it was on like a three hour, three hour visit. And then it was if you want to call it an accountability, you know, we, we call each other like every week and say, OK, well, what did you do this week? What did you do this week? All right. Your job's this, your job's that. And after about after about, I'd say. The first three months we we're hearing that other groups doing this and doing that and our group was doing nothing and i just said i was laid off at the time and so here here are these two females they're making six figures the two other people that you know they're working steady at their jobs they couldn't do nothing and me i'm laid off like i'm not bringing in nothing and i'm the one that hopped on a plane and said you know what we're doing something you guys want to partake fine if not and then once they saw that i flew out and started you know i hooked up with the realtor i hooked up with more or less the deal i brought it back to the group we're going to do this we're going to do that i think that uh one in detroit i even put my money up I, I couldn't wait for the other people it's like you know i want to get started you know i didn't nice. i didn't i didn't spend this kind of money to get into a group to sit back and you know you two guys are making six figures so you know the one girl that, that, that you know she got foreclosed on a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar home it was nothing for her, you know it's like eh. wow you know, so some of the lessons that I hear in that are um, vet them out of a little bit more. So you want to make sure that they're they're legitimate, but also um, don't wait around. So you're the kind of go getter who just you you wanted to capitalize on these deals, and yep. uh, even though there could have been some better due diligence on on some of them, um, there's you you move forward and you just put. Uh, put feet to the ground and, and started uh, your nose to the grindstone sort of sort of thing, yeah. trying to um, get something moving forward. And then you saw who else joined you in that venture. So um, maybe when selecting partners, you gotta, you gotta find out who's willing to do the hard work, um, but also see if there's a track record that you can, you can draw from because um, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Right. So um, if somebody has shown a, a, a propensity to work hard in the past, um, they're likely to continue doing that in the future. So, uh, well, to be honest with you, it was actually people that had money too. The other, you know, there was five of us, three of us had money and the other two really didn't. So they were just, I was like, why'd you join the group? Well, we want to be part of it. We want to do this. We want to, we'll get on the call. And, <laughs> but you know, the people that had the money were the ones, okay, you know, so once you put skin in the game, it's like, okay, you know, let's make this happen. Yeah. You find out who's really willing to work hard. Yeah. 
the other two people were just in it for the ride. So even, even to this day in the multifamily, it's like, okay, you know, what are you bringing to the table? Nice. Um, okay. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Howard, um, thank you for talking to us a little bit about your worst ever experience. It sounds like <laughs> you really survived that one. Um, but we're going to get into our, my favorite segment of the show, which is the dirt. And these are just some four questions to let our listeners get to know a little bit more about you. So the first question is, besides your family, what is the biggest motivator for you to pursue real estate investing? Well, just the, just the financial freedom. I mean, it's the one sentence, you know, I want to do what I want to do with who I want to do it, when I want to do it, where I want to do it. You know, I don't want anybody to tell me. I mean, being in the field that I was in, I was in construction. So the day you get hired, you're working yourself out of a job because they're giving you a, they're giving you a building and it's like, okay, we got to build that building. Once that building's done, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Until until we get another building. If we get another building, you're on. If not, then, you know, you got to look for another job. You know, which is constant, not having the fear of not having a job. Right. We made, we made good money we had, uh, you know, benefits and stuff, but it just didn't outweigh it, you know? So it sounds like the security and stability, lack of security and stability totally. is, is the motivation. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next question is, what is the last gift you gave to someone? Last gift I gave uh, family or non-family? Either. Probably just donations. Oh, Okay. Who do you like to donate to? Uh, people that need help that, that I know personally. Not organizations. And I know we just did this 7FF and I'm, I'm really, um, uh, I, I like the idea. I just don't like the idea that it's in another country. I mean, there's just way too much in our own country. No, okay, it's in Mexico. We're gonna fly down there, but uh, I don't know. There's just, you know, the Scotty drive down the street. I'm sure there's stuff right in your backyard, you know. And they are. They did say that they're gonna, you know, do something in the states too. But yeah. I just think I just think there's too much in our back door to to ignore that, you know. Yeah. So you like to give back to people who are. Um in your backyard and yeah, people that you yeah. know personally who are struggling well, that, with it. That, that you can see that, you know, that you know, that needs rent that, you know, that, you know what I mean? That needs a car. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's very kind of you. Um, oh. Oh. And you're the type that definitely a little bit more old school in that you like to see the person and you like to see that, you know, what you're giving back is, going to the actual individual versus just donating to a large organization. And, you know, sometimes that money can go towards. I'll tell you a story. Okay. I first graduated college. I was working at an automotive place. And would you like to sign up for our paychecks? And they said, would you like to donate to the United way? United way. Oh, it's, it's an organization. They, they help people. We're like, Oh, it's only 50 cents an hour. Like, well, okay. Two years, they took out 50 cents an hour, 
And one of the days we're, we're on coffee break and we're sitting around and we're reading the, the newspaper. And in it, it said that, you know, they weren't doing so well. But the guy that was running the place, he was, you know, back then, back in the 80s, he was making like a half million dollars. He was driving around in this kind of car. I think there was like six of us that ran to the office and said, you know what, you know, it's 50 cents an hour. Put it back in our check, you know. <laughs> I mean, if this guy's driving around a, a $10,000 car like we were and, and making a, you know, a nominal, just a regular paycheck like other people, but... You just saw that, you know, most of the money's not going to where it's supposed to be. They, mm-hmm. they say you give a dollar and like 85 cents goes to administration and, you know, so 15, 15 cents is going to where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so what is your favorite color and three deep reasons why? My favorite color. I would say blue. Okay. And what are the reasons behind blue being your favorite color? Uh, just the sky. When you wake up in the morning, you see a blue sky and <laughs> happy. <I don't> know. <laughs> okay. So blue sky m- makes you feel happy. And yeah, blue water, crystal clear water. It's like light blue. I've been to like uh, the Bahamas and Puerto Rico and oh man, the water is just Incredible, incredible. And you can just look down and see the bottom 40 feet down. That's awesome. So I'm hearing transparent, that's clear, visible. Okay. And then finally, how do you continue to learn? How do I continue to learn? By joining joining groups, other people. The accountability groups are, are really good. And I, I wish we had a little bit more of it and the people that were running it, you know, I'd, I'd really, I'd really like that a little bit more than just people that, you know, we're in a, yeah. we're in a, we're in a new accountability group this time and they gave us some Kimber and it's like, okay, well, you know, I had Jason, I had Chad and that's the meat and potatoes. That's who I want to learn from. If, if I'm, if I'm doing something wrong, you know, I don't want Kimber to, you know, I just, I, I'm not a technology guy. Oh, put it in a Facebook group. And uh, I'm, I don't want to put it in a Facebook group. I want to ask the guy that's doing it now, you know, and, and I understand his time is valuable. He's out buying another one and another one. And we're, we're, we're trying to question him. And, and, but that's, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm old school. That's okay. that's how I learned. Uh, I you know you could give it to me on blue into fate. That analyzer, I look at that every day, and uh, you know unless somebody's going to sit down and actually show it to me and walk me through it a couple times, I mean it, it's just going from screen to screen. How many how many how many sessions have we been on, Caroline? And it, it's I'm still, you know, uh, I, I couldn't fill it out. Every day you're getting better. <laughs> and it's Ken pro- just. And I don't want to slow Ken down, but Ken just flies through it. Okay, thirty. I'm not even seeing where he's getting the numbers, and it's like, okay, boom, boom, boom. And that's <laughs> that, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, you got to know your numbers. You know, it's a lot bigger than a little single family home. You get into one of these things, and your numbers are wrong. Oh boy, that's true. And what I really like is that you talked about how your real estate investing journey began 
with infomercials, from learning from other folks who were experienced, who were doing the, the work. And maybe some of them were less uh, scrupulous uh, than, than others. So maybe yeah. not all of them were good, but you did, you, you paid for your membership to a group, even starting back then through oh, yeah. getting audiobooks or, or uh, lesson plans or, or um, whatever uh, you, you, you did back then, all the way up until now when you're joining masterminds that cost several thousand dollars a year and um, you pour your time, energy and resources into those and you, you spend time talking with other people, getting accountability um, and then doing the hard work, right? So uh, I think that that really speaks, we've had several guests now who've talked about that concept that you, you can get as much of the free information as possible through yeah. your local <laughs> library and renting, you know, uh, or even buying books. Um, but uh, the real, the real change happens when somebody invests substantially financially in their own learning um, by putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, yeah. So that's also what I heard in, in what your, your uh, way of continuing to learn is through the ma masterminds yeah. it's by joining masterminds and by participating in masterminds. It's not enough either to just say, I'm a part of this and, and now I'm going to make a million dollars just because I joined. Right. That's, unreasonable expectations watching other people do it and you know you you see people you see people doing it and you know there's there, there's people in my area that are rocking it but i just i, I don't want no part of it because i've seen how they got there and it's i'm not that kind of person you know i'm, I'm out to help people. i'm not out to you know gain myself yeah i mean everybody's got to gain themselves but you know to grow and to get better but i don't know there's a lot of scrupulous people out there like you said yeah. yeah and and what i've also learned is that you make the pie bigger so um it's not that i get this half of the pie and you get this half of the pie and so i'm stealing your half of the pie but when you're really bringing value add in all of your partnerships it's by making the pie bigger it's about you are contributing so much value that that other person is getting more than they're otherwise entitled to. And they also are contributing so much to you that you're getting more than you're otherwise entitled to. And everybody wins. Everybody walks away from those partnerships better off than they would have been if they had just done it alone. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool if the mastermind did start looking at real big things and just had a bunch of us as players and, and, and kind of went in with them. I think that would be pretty and somebody mentioned it and they said, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of blew it off. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> you know, but I mean, Well, I have, I can say, I know I haven't been very vocal about it in the group. I'm working hard at that. So um, the good news is that that will happen, whether mm -hmm. um, whether it's by the group's creation or not, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of when. I'm trying to find the right deal because I don't want to, I don't want to bring just any deal to the group. I want to make sure that it's the right deal for other folks to get involved in on a big scale. So um, it'll happen. Uh, but there's um, you're absolutely right. There there are folks who are uh, who are doing and there are folks that are just kind of sitting by and, and waiting, waiting to see what happens. And, and hopefully we can we can bring this together, um, whether it's by our creation or theirs. 
Well, the DLPs are fine, but, you know, my next goal is to be a GP. You know, I, I want to be able to, you know, to find a deal and, and to, to organize it, to run it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's tough, Howard, it's tough being an LP because you just sit back and it's like, well, why, why are we doing this? And how about if we do this? <laughs> right. You want to get that experience back like you had when you first started of, hey, guys, I found something. Let's work on this together. That's what it sounds like. Um, but thank you so much, Howard, for taking the time bright and early to join us here uh, on the Worst Ever Real Estate Investing podcast. And <laughs> A final question for you. So how can people reach out to you or learn more about you? Uh, AlbanyHouseHunters.com. You can go to my website and uh, reach out to Seven Figure Flipping, Seven Figure Mastermind, Seven Figure Multifamily. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thanks so much, Howard. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, your a wise man who's had a lot of experience. And so thank you so much for your willingness to share it with us. Okay. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Thanks, Howard. Honey Badgers, if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Worst Ever Real Estate Investing Podcast, please leave us a rating and review. We want to get ranked and your support helps us to keep these terrible deals coming through the pipeline. If you want to join us on the show, shoot me an email at admin at worstrei.com.